Hey, everybody, and welcome to Six Feet Under. All right. Whoa. Whoa. Hey, I hey. am here with a uh, full panel for a discussion on uh, diceless and uh, non-standard conflict resolution. But before we get to talking about it, let's introduce who those mysterious people I just mentioned are. We've got uh, Wolfshirt, Ambisagris, and Drackle along with me from the uh, regular cast. Woohoo. Uh -huh. Yes. Hello. Uh, Over here. Would our special guests please introduce yourselves as you would like to be introduced? That's a catchphrase now. Check it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm Gnome. I've been here a few times already. Um, I'm the author of the game we're going to be playing today and Inverse World, which we played previously. Hi, um, I'm Jess, or Adept Nightingale, on the SA forums. I am the editor over at GamerXP, a uh, role-playing website. All right. <laughs> and we're so happy to have you on, both of you, for sure. So, uh, before we talk about uh, non-standard uh, uh, resolution mechanics, I suppose we should define what we mean by standard, which is pretty much rolling a die for a numerical value and uh, comparing that to a target number. So every game in the world does. so yeah your your d20 stuff your uh more of call of cthulhu who roll under it's pretty somehow, much the same thing but backwards somehow uh, completely random chance became the industry standard yeah <laughs> i don't know how it happened like there's some games that do a little better than others like dungeon world has its tiered resolutions right. thing going on and a standard bell curve because it uses two dice instead of one so, but uh, the Let's general, talk about the things that aren't that. That's what we mean by non-standard. <laughs> Everything else. Yes. Okay. Um, I think I'd like to start, actually, with a, a game called Malifaux, okay. which uses cards for its resolution system. Um, and was basically made me want to start doing crazy stuff in the first place. It's still like you add a stat to a number and compare it to a target number. But how it works is you have a hand of cards, and then when you do a check, you flip over a card from the top of the deck, add it to your stat, and if you didn't do good enough, you can play a card from your hand and cheat fate. So it gives you a bit of control, and also the fact like it's a deck of cards, you will get the same number of 13s every time you go through the deck. Yes, mm -hmm. that's good. So, it's a little less completely random. Uh, the big one that comes to my mind is probably Amber Diceless, which actually came out in 1991, I think. Yeah. Um, it's a little more standard than some of the others. You still have stats, but it pretty well comes down to whoever has the highest stat is eventually going to win in a fair conflict. So they just kind of take out the middleman of the uh, randomness. I also like Amber Diceless because it does something similar to what we're actually doing with the game we're playing today, Laws Out, in that it's an auction-based game. Um, at the beginning of the game, everyone auctions for who is the best at what thing. Hmm. Like, first, mm -hmm. first I was like, oh, this is going to be the war stat. Whoever bids the most on this is the best at war and can beat the shit out of everyone forever. At and war. then everyone decides yeah. how many character creation points they want to throw into it. Which is a cool idea, unless someone sends, like, 40 points on war and then they're out for the rest of the thing and they're the best at war and suck at everything else. Yeah, so, yeah like it has uh, flaws, I, but it's a neat idea. Uh, I think one of my favorites uh, probably has to be Fiasco because the uh, resolution is just consensus. Just do pretty much what you want. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I always enjoyed that. Somebody gets the job of deciding whether this will end well or poorly, and they just make the decision based on whatever they want to happen for for a number of. Uh, like you, you can be thinking in terms of dramatic conflict or screwing somebody over with 
uh, the kind of dice they don't want. But in any case, it's just a personal decision. Uh, and uh, then something that's more uh, traditional in the sense that it uses dice, but the Edge of the Empire, Age of Rebellion, that line of current Star Wars games, uh, where they have... Uh, they have the unique dice, right? Yes, they have unique yeah. dice. And instead of giving you numbers, they just tell you whether you have successes or failures, and they cancel out. And then, uh, in addition to that, there are advantages or disadvantages. So you can, say, fail with two advantages to roll over to make a more interesting failure, or on the other hand, you can have a triumph, which is a critical success that still has disadvantages uh, uh, attached to it. So it really helps with their uh, uh, that pulpy Star Wars feel. Uh, yeah, I'm more familiar with that from Warhammer Fantasy, right? Third edition, which uses a very similar system, and I've always really liked that. It's it's neat. I've never gotten to play it, but I want to. <laughs> Because it seems cool, like, oh, I rolled three boons and two banes or whatever, so now I get to get three good things and two bad things from all the same, like, every action you take has a card that says what you can spend the points on, and you have to spend all of your points, so, like, when you get the bad things, you have to choose a couple bad things from your card. Mm -hmm. So, does anyone else have some uh, favorite examples to, to throw out in the beginning to get us talking? I was going to say everyone is John until I remembered that has a D6. That's the, only, <laughs> that's the oh. closest one that I've come to. And I was like, damn, that does actually have dice. Shoot. My favorite. <laughs> it's not a very good diceless game. No, it's not. <laughs> and that's the closest I have to one. It's a dice full game. <laughs> it's, it's a roll a six or fail game. Yeah. Most of the time. I, I do like I really that like because it, okay. it... Oh, Sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say I'd, I'd like to talk about Chubo's marvelous wish granting engine, but I still haven't found anybody to play it with. Same. Let's talk about it anyway. What is it? Yeah. Explain it. It's amazing, is what it is. Tell you what, we'll do it on the show, and we'll invite you on sure. that episode. Okay. All right. Uh, it's a game by Jenna Morin, who did a. I think she was involved in Nobelis as well. Yep, Nobelis. Uh, it's yeah, Nobelis. Sorry. Uh, it's a slice of life game uh, as well as kind of an adventure game. It kind of. I would say uh, is reminiscent of those films like uh, Princess Mononoke and uh, wow, the names are falling out of my head. <laughs> but um, etc. Yes. Yeah, but it's um, pretty well, I think, governed by consent as well, and uh, you can spend points from your pool if something is really important to you, and if it's really important to you, you can pretty well do it. It's actually really similar to Golden Sky Stories, now that I think about it, mm. which I think half the people here have played. Yeah. Like, you get a bunch of points at the beginning of every scene, and you can spend them on powers during a scene to do special stuff. Um, the premise of Chubos, though, is really great. I like it a lot. Um, the, the title says it all. There's this kid named Chubo who invented a machine that grants wishes. But it grants wishes randomly into only people with a special gift and desire for wishes. And you play <laughs> as the random people in his city who are getting their wishes granted. Alright. Oh, jeez. Uh, so the different classes are based on what your wish is. Like when you wish for something great, you get like, like there's one where you're just the best person around and everyone loves you and everything will always go your way. And then there's another one where you're like a nihilist and everything you touch dies. <laughs> Why would you wish for that? 
Because some people hate the world. And it grants guess... your wishes randomly. It doesn't grant, like, good things. It grants what you want. Some people don't want good things. Some people just want to watch the world burn. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I remembered one other one that I totally forgot. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, it's called a Microscope. It's actually just a... Uh, I've used it for creating uh, homebrew settings for a number of games. It's a kind of collaborative way to put together a setting. It's a lot of fun, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's less of a, like... It's like a game that you play before you play a different game, and you use it to build the world that you will then be playing. Huh. Yeah, exactly. That sounds interesting. So, uh, how, how does that work? What does it do instead? Uh... I actually haven't used it, so I'm going to leave that to Jess. <laughs> sure, yeah. Each player, I guess for lack of a better term, uh, introduces cards for things they'd like to see included in a setting and things they absolutely don't want to see included in the setting. And you kind of go point to point and uh, combine the things everything wants to see into something coherent. Huh. Awesome. Okay. That sounds like interesting. That. It's like a more structured version of uh, the montage system. There's yeah. 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 That sounds cool. Uh, so now that we've got a sort of uh, uh, a corpus to work from, uh, so some examples. What uh, are what do you see as advantages to doing it in any of the myriad ways you can think of? Beside roll die, get number compared to target number. But uh, to go back to Malifo, I feel like cards add a lot that dice don't. Mm-hmm. Um, like, one of the things in Malifo is everyone has, like, triggers on some of their actions, where if you flip a card of the right suit, you get a bonus effect on top of your thing. And, of course, since you can cheat cards from your hand, this gives you a mm-hmm. lot of control. Yeah. And sometimes, like, you might want a lower card because it's the suit you want for a bonus. Right. There's a lot of very dense information in a card. You've got color and suit and value, and if you want to do card matching, you can match any of those things, uh, etc. Yeah, and there's also, like, Face cards can have special bonuses, mm-hmm. and you can do stuff with aces and jokers. And one of the things that Malifo does too is that, like, if you have a benefit on your flip, you can flip two cards and take the better. Or if you have a negative version, you flip two cards and you always take the lower. Cool. So you can flip more than one card at a time and get different results. Uh, speaking of that, and also some of our other examples, just the idea of uh, getting. Something more complicated than binary success uh, is a good advantage of doing things in a non-standard way. Uh, you, you can either do that with you know your, your usual die rolling, like uh, was mentioned, uh, Apocalypse World and all its descendants, or all of these other ways where you can uh, uh, get, get your randomized success or failure and all the other things to, to mitigate or exacerbate that success or failure. Uh, I think a good example of that is actually like part of the reason I designed today's game, Laws Out, which is an auction-based game where everyone bids for control of a scene. Like someone will set the scene, then everyone else will place bids, and they dis- and then whoever bid the worst thing gets control of how the scene ends. And I based it around the idea of like, Every game I've seen really is built around, like, what do you get when you win? And I kind of wanted to build a game around, what do you get when you lose? Like, what are you going to lose in order to win? So, like, everyone's negative effects on themselves are chosen by themselves Mm -hmm. when you do the scene. 
Yeah, I think that's probably the most important advantage of diceless games in general, because I think with any kind of D20 kind of game, everyone's had that night where you just can't roll above a two, and it just kind of takes you out of the scene. Yeah, I've uh, whereas... really liked, like, just because the random chance sometimes screws you over, I always prefer things with, like, a little control over that, where you can get, you can choose when to fail, like, when it's okay to fail. Right. Uh, do you think it's, uh, Stuff like that is why uh, non-standard resolution is more uh, common in more narrative-focused games, like in a design sense, or is that just sort of sampling bias because the people who design them are already uh, uh, just making things up instead of going along with what came before just because to begin with? Um, I think narrative games don't work very well in a binary pass-fail sort of thing, and random chance doesn't favor a strong narrative. So that's probably why people who want to make a narrative game are embracing different methods of doing that. Yeah, and I think vice versa as well, because if you're really going for like some kind of system mastery, then games like these you're going to be really easy to just be cheap with. Yeah, I guess that's true. You can really easily min-max a system with very few... Variables. Concrete variables. Yeah. yeah. So someone wanting was it more rules heavy, the random chance of dice favors that better, because then you have to... Because like, if you min-max right, you should never fail, but random chance means you can anyway. I don't know, man. I've got some a really powerful fiasco build. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's this Hell one yeah. sheet chain. I'm not... <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Like, to correspond to that, too, like, in Laws Out, there isn't actually any character creation. You just have a sheet handed to you. There's some optional stuff There's a on... blank for your name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a couple questions that you answer to, like, fine-tune what you're playing as. But, like, I'm the outlaw. I will always have loads of dynamite if I'm playing as the outlaw. That's just <laughs> not my sheet. Uh... So, uh, those are some possible advantages. What are, uh, drawbacks to... Uh, forging your own path and going into the wilderness of uh, uh, th those many uh, myriad options rather than the, uh, the the familiar confines of home, the 20-sided home. Uh, um, weird well, house. <laughs> I, I think the biggest thing for me is that these are games that work really well in short like one or two or three kind of session campaigns but over a longer campaign they can start to feel a little static like there's not a lot of there's not as much growth in this kind of system because you start out kind of fully realized yeah mm -hmm. i think that's part of why this like laws out is built around a short movie scene we only want to do the one film and then we're done it's mm -hmm. a one and done but Fiasco I, does that too uh some of the other games you mentioned uh malifaux uh Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. Uh, yeah, Malifaux is actually the exact Star opposite. Wars. Yeah. Um, the Malifaux RPG is built around the assumption that you will play five sessions per player. Um, like, every character has a five session character arc built into them that, like, the GM chooses a random player each session and builds it around their first part of their plot and goes around the table to everyone's done their first part and then does it for the second part. So, like, in a five-player campaign, it's expected to take 25 sessions for you to get through everyone's character arcs. Mm -hmm. So, that's built around, like, mega campaigns. And, uh, I, I guess I was playing my hand when I, uh, 
made the when I asked the question in the most long-winded way possible. <laughs> but <laughs> there, there is something to to be said for that familiarity for uh, knowing yeah. you, there's numbers on it. Big numbers are good, you know. <laughs> and it's what a lot of people are used to in the RPG hobby. Like, yeah, it's a high barrier of entry, but when everyone already knows it. Some people don't want to learn new things. There, there is something very natural to like. I got the biggest number. I did the best. Yeah. yeah. There. Yeah. There's also a really good aspect of. I mean, everybody loves getting the natural twenty. Say what you oh, will yeah. about whenever you can only roll a two, is pretty bad. But then you like roll the, that the whole table. Yeah, the whole table lights up when somebody rolls that twenty, because something stupid is going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> like best example would be. Well, the best example would be that episode of 13th Age where in one turn, literally the entire party, except one person, got natural 20s. Yeah, yeah. everyone got a crit. Which resulted in us literally just obliterating oh. what should have been a boss fight. Yeah, the, the combat was over before uh, Bella even got a turn. <laughs> yeah, again. Uh, this seems to be a recurring thing for her. Poor Bella. Uh, yeah. We're just too good. Drawing on your that. familiarity point, these are probably a little harder to introduce new people to. I think they kind of assume a certain level of familiarity with role-playing in general. Yeah. And, like, some people in this hobby just don't even like narrative sorts of games at all. Like, if you try to pitch Fiasco to them, they're just like, That's, that seems really weird to me, and I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. It takes them out of their comfort zone, which, you know... Some people don't like being out of their comfort zone. It also introduces an element where you can't really win, so to speak. Yeah. And, and a lot of people want to play to win, which is where the... Nobody wins in fiasco. Yeah. <laughs> you just lose a little bit less. <laughs> How can I put this question that I don't even know what it is into words? That's always hard. Does anyone have another question they, they, they'd like to pose <laughs> to the group? While I work on this, while I percolate this. Of everyone here who's played non-standard sorts of RPGs, like, what was your favorite? Ask me in a few hours. No. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously, you shouldn't ask that yet. We have to That's true. our endorsements at the end. <laughs> so far, like, I still just absolutely adore Fiasco. It's like, I love it. Ah. I actually haven't played that many. I guess I would probably have to say Amber, just because I think I played that back in high school, and it's mostly nostalgia. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, okay, what uh, amount of fun do you think came from uh, the way uh, the resolution mechanic worked in particular, as opposed to the rest of, of the design of the game, then? Like, if... Uh, I don't know, if there were some sort of drama point system and you had to roll a d6 in fiasco but everything else was the same how much do you think that would have changed your fun i think it still could have been fun but i kind of like hmm. i like how fiasco does what it does and i don't want to change that yeah (laughs) exactly i feel like you know it's it's not broke so don't fix yeah i I think another game doing things like that but i don't want to change what fiasco does it does its own thing in such a fun way 
it's, I, I it's also can, really fun can. to be able to choose someone's fate for them and not just leave it up to a dice roll. Like you can specifically screw someone over by we'll be doing them a lot of that today. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, there Jess, are hybrid saying. games like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are hybrid games like that. I would say that fate can work a lot like that, actually. Uh, in that you do that. roll dice, but there are drama points basically that you can spend when something's important. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think what I was trying to, to get at is that uh, one of the great things about uh, non-standard resolution mechanics is that uh, because you have to make them, or at least specifically borrow them from a, a smaller pool of examples, uh, they, they seem very purpose-built and very... Uh, just Original. Sort of, yeah idiosyncratic to make that game work the way that game's supposed to work. Uh, in, rather than your uh, all-purpose uh, uh, one-size-fits-all sort of thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, like I actually think Fate suffers a bit from its reliance on dice and could be better if it tried something a little different with its aspects and such. Like It's got a lot of cool things going on, but then there's dice involved. All right, cut cut the number of uh, fate dice from four to two. See how that plays. <laughs> You've already right. flatter math. Yeah. Oh, but then, never mind. Yeah, I don't think it would work that well because you're gonna get plus two, plus zero, or minus two. No, yeah, that's right. There would be no plus or minus one. Mm. Uh, <laughs> all right, reduce the value of each dice to, to each die to. Uh, point five. That doesn't. Oh. <laughs> that solves nothing. You created a problem and then solved it in the most inefficient way possible by making the exact same problem but with smaller numbers. It's smaller now. I fixed it. Uh. uh anyhow, do we have any go, go ahead. things to say? So what was that? Uh, what was that game we played with the, the Batman spinoff? That was that a fiasco playset. That was no, fiasco. that was fiasco. Okay. Yeah. Well, then I guess that's it for me then. <laughs> that's the only one I've played. Uh, All right, we need to fix that in the future then. Yeah, we, we, we were about, we're about to. About to. Or we could just play more fiasco. Yeah, yeah. we could do that too. <laughs> so, does anyone have any uh, final thoughts on the topic? I'll run Malifo for you guys sometimes if you want to run a mega campaign. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to have eight players. It's going to be 40 sessions. Good lord, I will die. (laughs) We're going to have as many players as it takes to make it longer than LP13A. We're going to have a literal army of player characters. Good lord, I will die, DM. Oh yeah, let's make a Dynasty Warriors tabletop game. Oh man, <laughs> everybody just plays as one of the scrubs. All right, I'll add that to my to-do yes. list. Actually, that sounds great. <laughs> you have to play with at least one hundred people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have trouble getting people together to play like <laughs> Werewolf or Mafia. What the same game? Only oh, he's like ten. All right, bullshit. Uh, do you? Has have any uh, ideas been planted in your fertile mind? In so far as diceless conflict resolutions, yeah, uh, I do enjoy the idea of using cards, uh, just because it it still gives you that random chance, but it it kind of tames that random chance, chance to a yeah, 
it's controlled so you're always going to have the same number of outcomes, just in what order you get them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess that seems interesting. As far as keeping within the uh, the standard, get a number and add it to something genre, as opposed to just pure narrative. Dr. Sager's PhD, same question. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> I, can't, I can't ever go back to that. That guy was the worst. That was a guy? I just thought I was saying a thing. That was the guy who played in our first fiasco game. Oh yeah, that was, was awful. No, he was Dr. He was Sager's DDS. Too. Thank you very much. Oh, that's right, DDS, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Nate, have you had uh, any ideas uh, uh, planted in your noggin tonight? I don't get ideas, to be honest with you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've never had a thought in my life. Not once. <laughs> Hey, Drackle, tonight's uh, uh, discussion. How about that? It's probably good. All right. It's pretty good. <laughs> I liked it. Already good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's I'll give, good. give it a thumb. Yeah, yeah, it's a talk. talk. Give it a I solid it a, plus. I give it a thumb. <laughs> is there a direction on that thumb? Is that, is that a spoiler? It's just there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oh, oh, oh God. God. Special guest, Jess Purdy of uh, GamerXP.com. Uh, if you were to uh, uh, want us on the show to play one game that do- uses a non-standard resolution system, uh, what would it be and why would it be Chubos and what's your second choice? <laughs> what uh, it would-, would we be playing as? It would definitely be Chubos. If not Chubos, you could also choose uh, maybe Chubos. <laughs> or Golden Sky Stories would actually be cool, too. Yeah. Ah, oh, novelist. It's a game where you all play as gods. And your stat points, like, level one in physical ability is, you are better than Hercules. <laughs> level two is, you can throw mountains. Level two, level three is, you can throw planets in the sun. All right, I'm in. <laughs> and you just kind of the Silver Age Superman. Start. Yeah, that's just varying levels of when Superman was written. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> except you get that into your baseline character traits. You start off as a uh, '50s Superman, where he knocks <laughs> a door down. You usually, don't put more than one point in physical because the other stats are just as good. Yeah. I need to look this up. What's this called? Novelist. It's a game about it? playing gods. N o e i l i s. Yeah. All right, uh, five episodes of Chubos and one of uh, Nobilis are, are d- going down in the uh, in the hopper in the planning okay. stages. All right. Uh, I'll GM Nobilis. <laughs> I don't know enough about Chubos for that though. I will but figure I it out. That. Nobody did before it came out, and now people do, so it can't be that hard. <laughs> Think about it. It's like a six hundred page book. <laughs> So uh, I guess I'll have my final thoughts to say that I think when I see a uh, non-standard resolution mechanic, it makes me think that uh, it's a signpost for a game that's going to deliver a certain experience and that uh, there are mechanics tuned specifically to that experience. I may very well be proven wrong as I keep reading, but you know, it's it's whatever the opposite of a red flag is. A green flag? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a green flag. Green means go. Uh, <laughs> Better than a caution yellow flag. Yeah. 
And with that, I guess we'll uh, be seeing you in the game. Good night, folks. Good night, folks.